Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. Welcome to Views from the Porch, a lifestyle podcast where we have weekly conversations about some of the biggest challenges young adults face today. Our desire is to use God's word and our experience leading thousands of young adults at the porch to challenge you, push you, keep it real with you, and walk alongside you as you navigate your defining years as a young adult. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live or follow us on social media. And with that, here's this week's episode. What's up, guys? This is David. We're back with another episode of Views from the Porch with J.D. Rogers. What up? And Mrs. Becca, Rebecca from the block, Kepto. What's up, guys? Becca, I heard an encouraging story of somebody thinking about going into ministry because they heard you on the podcast. That's so wild to me, and I just love to hear stories like that. Shout out to her followers. <laughs> no. Shout out. At Becca Kepto. It's true, <laughs> right? It wasn't me. It was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a true story. That's it's really cool. Crazy. Love it. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about not only is she worth following on IG, her fashion sense, uh, mm. Becca's fashion. Oh, I'm kidding, wow. I'm yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Ooh. We're talking about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Mm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I. Yeah, and honestly, don't even know where to begin. I was going to say, where do you start with this topic? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about where that, that statement if you've been around any kind of, um, I don't even like to use the word charismatic because it has such a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. any kind of charismatic circle or a Pentecostal or Assemblies of God, um, different churches. I mean, even I grew up in a Baptist church, quote unquote, but it, we use that phrase. So, um, and you see it in scripture. Yeah. To be filled with the Spirit. What Talk about where that even came from and what does it mean to most people when they use that phrase? I think it means a lot of things to different people. The phrase comes from the Bible, that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2 tells us, that um, we are indwelt, Romans 8 tells us, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him, but if the Spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is in you. So all throughout the New Testament, anytime a person believes and receives forgiveness in Christ or trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, in their place and mm-hmm. repent of their sin and believe, they receive the Holy Spirit. And so that language of being filled is often taken in other people. And this is why it's harder to answer your second question, JD, of, hey, what do people often mean? I feel like there's a, a number of different things. Mm-hmm. Some people mean, hey, being filled in a moment as though you are being given something you do not already have. And, um, despite the fact that you already have received the Holy Spirit, you're being filled and you, you prophesy or you speak in tongues. Some people use it in a way that almost describes like, hey, you're being filled as the water is being poured into a, a cup. Mm-hmm. And um, But what other ones would y'all add? I mean, I think that a lot of people use it when talking about being saved, mm-hmm. that when they're saved, they are then filled with the Spirit or the Spirit is inside of them. Right? Yep. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah. The Bible just said, anyone who doesn't have the Spirit does not belong to him. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is in you, he will. He who raised Jesus will also give life to your mortal bodies. It's Romans chapter 8, somewhere in there. So what does it mean to have the Spirit inside of you? To be filled with the Spirit? Yeah. Yes. Well, Becca, I'm glad you asked. Okay? I asked. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to give Becca all credit all day yeah. for everything. Um, okay, the Greek word that is used there. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. And so JD and I disagree a little bit on this. We agree on all the fundamentals, and both of us agree on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's just a part of the Christian life that you can't be a Christian without uh, receiving the Spirit. Oh, but wait, before we get into that. Okay. Well, what are we about to say? We dis- we disagree on what? Well, we disagree on a, an, on something we can get to in a second. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to set up and define. So before we get to like what you're about to talk about, yeah. um, let's talk about the second filling of the Spirit. Because that you said, you you know, if you don't have the spirit, then you don't have salvation. Well, I think some people could confuse that and think that you're talking about what some refer to as the second filling of the spirit. And that's when you get saved. So I know there's like instances where people, they, they interpret scripture to say like, oh, people were saved. Yeah. But then they got the filling of the spirit and that's what made them actually like, Christian, yeah, or I don't know, like they could go to heaven, yeah, essentially. So, or there's people that would say, Hey, they were saved and they were Christian, but they didn't experience God's fullness, they didn't have a breakthrough because they hadn't received the spirit or um, had a second feeling that led them to burst out in tongues and led to a breakthrough in their faith, yeah, like because you're not experiencing a deeper level of intimacy or all that you could with. God, yeah, because you lack a second filling of the Spirit. Where do people get that? Why? Where is that coming from? Yeah, I think it's coming from a couple places, at least in Scripture, where it seems to indicate that people um, had believed in. I believe it's Acts eighteen, nineteen, or ten. It's somewhere in there. It's basically some of uh, the Apostle John's disciple, John the Baptist. I'm sorry, not Apostle John, John the Baptist's disciples, and they had believed in the message that John had taught them. And yet they had not received the Holy Spirit. And so there's a group and they lay hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. And we would say that's not because they were believers and hadn't received the Holy Spirit. It's because they had believed in John the Baptist's gospel. I'm sorry, John the Baptist's message, which if you look in Luke chapter three and you go back and you trace what did John preach, he preached a message of repentance and preparing the way for the Lord, but it wasn't a clear gospel presentation. In other words, in Luke chapter three, when the Pharisees ask him, what must we do to be saved? He says, you who has two jackets, give to the person who has none. And you who has two uh, meals, give to the one who has none and repent. And so it wasn't a full clarity on the gospel that they had received. They basically had set themselves up and prepared which was John's point, to prepare the way for when the Messiah would come, that they would believe in him. But they were recognizing their own wickedness and apathy towards other people, which made them great candidates for whenever the gospel was shared with them, for them to receive the Holy Spirit. So that's at least one of the indications where people have taken that and taken this idea of speaking in tongues and attached them together and how those were associated. And we've done podcasts on tongues already. But whenever the Spirit fell at Pentecost and led them to speak in known languages to a bunch of different people, mm-hmm. and they've kind of associated those things together. So that's at least a couple of them. What would y'all add? I mean, no, that's that's 
what I was asking. I don't have much more to add. I think it's just when I hear you say you have to have the spirit to be saved, mm-hmm. are you talking about once you're saved? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once you trust in Jesus, Ephesians 1 says you are sealed and that the spirit of God has sealed you for all of eternity and there is no ifs, ands, or buts. John 10, Jesus says no one can snatch those that have been uh, those that are a part of my flock out of my hand. And so you are sealed once and for all. So then what do people mean when they say like during a worship moment that they felt like they were filled with the Holy Spirit? And I also grew up in an Assembly of God church, so I have a very charismatic background. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, David. No, I didn't. Um, but I remember going to church camp and us being pretty much instructed almost to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I just like never fully understood that. So help break down, like, what does that even mean in those moments to be filled with the Holy Spirit after you have been saved? Yeah. So Ephesians chapter 5 is a passage where the Apostle Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled in the New Testament, it's the same, it's the primary word that's often used. It's a Greek word, plero, and that's P-L-E-R-O-O. And that Greek word, plero, is, there's a few associations. Like I said, we often think of it like a a glass, something being poured in. Mm -hmm. But we also, even in English, use someone being filled with something and we understand that there's other ways that that word plays itself out. What do I mean? Like filled with joy? Yeah. If someone's filled with rage, we don't think that, you know, he got opened up and someone poured a can of rage into him and now he's filled with it. We just right. understand he is submitted to and surrendered to and given himself to that rage. Or if someone has uh, fallen in love, uh, well, that's kind of an, another example. But point being, in the Greek language, there's three real associations with the Greek word filled. One, it's a perfect present tense in other words, it's a passive, pers- passive perfect present. If you remember back in English, there were words where it was passive, which meant it was being acted on. Uh, it was perfect as in ongoing. So a better translation would be, be continually being filled. Be continually being filled. And then the Greek word has three definitions. One of them is pressure or being pushed or being led by. Think of a sailboat. Like when I used to, um, back at camp, Go sail. Wow. And you'd go out there, and the worst thing that would happen would be you get out in the middle of the lake, and then the water, I'm sorry, the wind just goes away. And you have no ability to move because there's nothing pushing those sails. It's because you're sailing in Branson, Missouri. And because you're sailing in Branson, Missouri. (laughs) And in the same way that a Christian life is to be led and guided and moved about by the Spirit— the role of the sails is not to invite the wind or to pressure the wind or to do anything. It's to open the sail and allow that wind to guide and direct its life. So that's one of the ways that Christian and the word of being filled, be pushed, be led by, be surrendered to. Another one is being permeated, that you would have the Spirit of God bleed into all aspects of your life, that you would be filled, which is probably a more common way that we think of being filled. And then finally, that it would be controlled by mm-hmm. or be dominated by. And so when Paul in Galatians chapter 5 says, walk in step with the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, he is saying walk and surrender to the Spirit, which is what it means to be led by the Spirit or to be filled by the Spirit is like, I am allowing the Spirit of God to control me, which means I'm walking in dependence and surrendered to God moment by moment. I'm going to 
not allow the things of my own personal desires or what the culture around me wants me to do. I'm going to walk in accordance with the Spirit of God. And the only way I can do that is by having the Spirit of God and by believing in Jesus. And then it takes a moment by moment surrender and walking in step with Him. So when you were saying being filled with the Holy Spirit is like being filled with rage, are you saying it's a feeling then when people say that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're feeling like you're being filled with the Spirit, and it's more of like that leads you to an outward expression of either something like speaking in tongues. I think that's where I lack confusion. So can you speak to that? Yeah, I was using that as a, not a um, reflection of the Spirit, Holy Spirit. I was saying even in English, we know a word can have multiple meanings. Someone can be filled, a glass of water can be filled with water, and someone can be filled with rage, and we don't think that literally rage was poured in. That's all I was saying there. Mm -hmm. And same thing in the Greek, that something being filled, there's multiple definitions that are associated with that. To your question of, well, how do I know if I'm walking in step with the Spirit or that feeling? Feelings are not going to be nearly as reliable as the fruit that's produced. Right. And wherever the Spirit of God is, it's going to produce the fruit, singular, of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. If I'm exhibiting anxiety, anger, um, selfishness, uh, sexual immorality, all of those things are reflection that in that moment, I am not living surrendered to the Spirit of God. I'm not keeping in step. Like my uh, five-month-old will soon do what his older two siblings did, and he'll learn to walk. And one of the ways that he learns to walk, and all kids learn to walk, is they'll use a walker. It's like what you see your grandparents right. use someday. Yeah. Their kids have them, and they keep in step, and they walk depending and leaning on that walker. And the same is really how we walk and step with the Spirit, is that day by day, moment by moment, step by step, I am to walk, surrender to the Spirit of God. So I think what you're asking is, hey, whenever Oceans hits that song or, um, you know, I Thank God by Maverick City or just that one song that everybody has on repeat right now and hands are all raised and I just feel something stirring inside of me, yeah. is that the Spirit? Right. Mm -hmm. That's one question I have yet. Yeah. I think um, Romans 8 says his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so to the degree that it is ministering or um, testifying to our spirit of who God is, of what is true, of things that are in the scripture that are aligned with that, then I, I think, sure. And um, could it be possible that um, because God made us emotional beings and emotions are a gift from the Lord, that somebody could feel emotional, have an emotional response to, I mean, you go to a Coldplay concert. You know who Coldplay is? I do. Of course. I, yeah. <laughs> Where, I feel like everyone knows Coldplay. <laughs> Where's Coldplay been? You go to a Coldplay concert and you're going to see people who don't know Jesus and their hands are raised and they're doing things. And it's not because of the spirit of God. They're just, they're being... Um, They're on an emotional journey yeah. by mm -hmm. the music in the moment. And the I just lighting. saw that at a Kenny Chesney concert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's now true. That, that's another level. Hands were raised. Yeah. Both hands. At a like, Kenny Chesney concert? Yes. It's true. I believe it. So <laughs> is it, it would be impossible to give a blanket. Like here's, here's for sure it is for you. Bob, if you're listening, that for sure was the spirit. But I think to the degree which it testifies, man, if we, one, if we are a believer, the Spirit of God indwells us, and we walk and are filled by it by living surrendered and dependent on Him. And if um, the Spirit of God is ministering to you 
through truths that are in the song that are found in scripture, Mm -hmm. that's totally possible. So do you think whenever, like, during worship, if the worship leader were to pray, like, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into this room and to, like, fill this room or to, um, would you come and move in our hearts tonight? Would you say there's no need to pray that because he's already in the room, he's already filled the room, he's already, he's going to do what he, he's not, like, tangible like that. Yeah. He, He doesn't sweep across a room or like fall on a room. Yeah. I don't have a hot take because that feels a little bit nitpicky. Um, but your point is valid. I that, think people want to know. Hey, yeah. if, if the worship leader is saying, Spirit, we just invite you. I think what he's, what I would say he's actually saying is, hey, Spirit, we know that you're here and we are offering and surrendering and offering ourselves to you and inviting you to take ground in areas of our heart. We don't need more of you. We need you to take more of us that take more of my heart. Like if I have a believer, I have the fullness of the spirit of God indwelling and I have the fullness of the spirit of God. And so I need to do everything I can to surrender more and more so that I'm not surrendered to my flesh or I'm not surrendered to my sin nature, which is why sin comes naturally to all of us. But I walk in surrendered uh, step with the spirit. So I wouldn't pick that fight. Like, because Shane, like that, that might be true at Watermark. Yeah. But like, I definitely go to churches where they use that and they don't mean it that way. They want people to be healed in that service. Yeah. They want people to like, um, be knocked out by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Be knocked out or to speak in tongues or they want people to, um, like Pentecost. They want it to like fall on the room and like it be evident. And like they want evidence of the spirit's movement through like a work in that service. So when they are praying, spirit, would you come and move? That's what they mean. Yeah. Do you think that's okay? I think it is missing the forest for the trees. In other words, a more evident example of the spirit moving is, I mean, the one that we find in scripture is that it produces the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kind of self-control that it leads us to forgive people. It leads us to walk in humility. Those are more clear. I mean, the reason why they want that is because everyone, to Jesus' language, he condemns the perverse generation that demands a sign. And there's part of us that either from the Middle Ages influence and the way of Dante's Inferno and how we think about the spiritual realm that assumes like, man, if only I could see the smoke moving like Casper and just the light was up. All of that is just physical realities it's not necessarily spiritual realities he, and, he, he says that you you demand a sign mm-hmm. but also he used signs and wonders to show his like divinity evidence yeah so like i think what he was i don't think that in that statement he was necessarily condemning the fact of wanting signs what he was saying was is the point is not the signs and so is it possible to both want the evidence and want God? And like, I even think about how, because then you, if you use that scripture also at, and Paul says, you should like seek the gifts or like seek the signs, like want, want them. And so last thing, like a lot of people will say, well, that was just for that time for the advancement of the church. If God used that plan for signs to be, what pointed to like his power 
to make people go, I believe in a dark time where like the church didn't exist. And like, it was just a really dark, a dark time. And it caused like an outbreak, like a revival. And it caused like the church to spread because of what the evidence of what they were seeing. Yeah. Why would we not want it's in, we're in such a dark time where there are more atheists than ever. There are more people that are just like so actively against God. Why would we not want evidence of those same signs and wonders for the advancement of the church and like revival yeah, for people right. to believe in God like today? Yeah. I think that we categorize them differently. Um, I'm trying to think of an analogy that would connect. It's like um, what what is something um, like my kids are all about superheroes right now. So if I came home and crew was like, man, I really want super speed and I really want super speed and he just really wants super speed and he's asking, man, God, will you make me super fast, super fast, super fast? And then I turn around and he's flying, like literally he's flying around the room like he's Superman. I would still go, that's crazy. Now I'm going somewhere with this analogy. It sounds weird and it sounds disconnected, but I'm going on a path for a point. If I looked at him and said, man, that's crazy, but yeah, we should still pray. Or he was going, man, that's just crazy, but yeah, I still just want to be super fast. I still just want to be super fast. You would go, dude, you are flying around the room. That is incredible. Now, in a way that hopefully doesn't distract people in an entirely different way, that I can recognize both of those things are unusual and abnormal, mm-hmm. right? Right. The same is true as it relates to eyes of your heart being open to the truth and trusting in Jesus, which is a miracle called regeneration every time somebody believes in Jesus, is just as miraculous as a finger growing back on someone's hand. And for me to look at one and say, that's, that's kind of cool, but that's not, is really not biblical. It's normal, and it is often how we think about it, because we're like, yeah, but you know, I see people be forgiving all the time. I've never seen a finger grow back. But biblically speaking, that's just as supernatural because it's spiritual. It's the spirit leading someone to be loving, joyful, peace, patience, gentleness, kind of self-control. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't want um, God to move in miraculous ways. I just think everybody means one group of miraculous ways when they say that, and they dismiss these other things that are really unusual in our world. People can see somebody's hand grow back, but still be raised in a divorce, broken environment, home, uh, having their life fall apart and their friend's life falling apart and addiction everywhere. And seeing somebody set free, surrendering to God and walking according to the Spirit is just as miraculous as seeing something miraculous physically being healed. Yes. So you're saying that it could be both and of wanting both? Like, you shouldn't just... So you're not dismissing someone wanting that the evidence as long as like they don't think that's the only source of like a miracle or the miraculous or like they have to acknowledge both realms of like God is doing there's evidential things all around spiritually happening so because the only reason I would I would feel like uh the benefit of seeking and asking God to move that way is oftentimes that's the means in which more people had the spiritual miracle take place. Like that's why he gave the disciples those gifts and ability to do those things because then people would be like, whoa, like this is, they get to point it to God. Right. And then people would believe. And so I feel like 
that's where I just think it's not crazy to see that and want the same or even the same for yourself. Um, but I think a lot of people where they, they, if they disagree with that desire, it's because they say that God doesn't move like that today mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that signs are not nearly as long lasting as we think that they are. Here's what I mean. If um, we've got a friend that has an autoimmune disease that I pray for almost every day, God, would you heal them? God, would you heal them? God, would you heal them? If they showed up tomorrow and we were all together and they said, man, I've been miraculously healed. I would go, man, that's amazing. God is supernaturally, that's a miracle. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. Given a a number of days, weeks, months, amount of time, I would still go, man, that was awesome. I wonder what happened. Or maybe your body just kind of naturally healed itself and that's kind of how God did it. Or um, or I'll use a, a more specific example. A friend of mine, he is child had something going on with her brain while his wife was pregnant and the hole on the top of the head was just not closing and it wasn't draining the fluid out and and it was real complications like hey they may not survive and our community group prayed every single day constantly god would you please heal 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 fast forward a month they deliver the child he's totally healthy everything's fine now even when i tell that story I don't tell it as, man, this miracle that we actually saw before us, which it seemed like it was. Right. It was a combination, I think, of that slash God restoring and bringing that health about. And I don't know what exactly happened. Maybe it was a, an overly pessimistic diagnosis or who knows. But I'm not looking at it going like, wow, and that was a fundamental shift inside of my life. When I see the ongoing mark of somebody who knows Jesus and walking with him, like a friend that we were with yesterday in a meeting who's a few decades older than us, but just every time I'm around, he just bleeds um, Jesus and he bleeds the humility and bleeds God's word and just bleeds wanting to be surrendered to the spirit of God. That ministers to me and moves me in a way that is more powerful than seeing a miracle. And I'm not dismissing, and that may have been a distraction to even go down that miracle. I'm just saying, given enough time, you can go, that was crazy. I wonder what really happened there or if it was going to happen anyways and was it a miracle in that moment that took place and i think that's why miracles just don't have the the stickiness that um seeing a movement of people moved by the spirit of god does over time what would you say i just think if that's true it's just interesting that that's what god used to draw people to believe in him so if it's not that sticky why would that be the means in which he started the church well, ultimately, the way he reconciled the world to himself wasn't through a miracle, or it was through the miracle of resurrection. Right. But it wasn't through the miracles of, of eyes being made right, and it wasn't um, dependent on those things. I just think, uh, I just mark, I look at, and we're getting kind of long, but like I look at when Jesus shows up into his ministry marked by miracles. When he leaves, the Holy Spirit comes down, the people of God marked by miracles. Jesus, even raising from the dead by which in which we can be saved, marked by a miracle. And Paul even says, if that didn't happen, it's nothing. So it's like a miracle, something supernatural is the way in which we are. Everything makes sense. And so 
But if I looked up at the sky tonight with you, we're out camping. That's, that'd be random. But if we were out in a place where you could actually see the stars, and I was like, man, they're just, I can't see a star. And you, you looked up and you're like, they're everywhere. They're all around us. Are you kidding me? And you're like, yeah, but none of them are moving. And a star for me doesn't really count unless it's a shooting, moving star. You'd go, no, that's just a specific type of star. There's still stars. And if I said, nope, there's no stars, you would think I'm crazy. And I think I'm saying that. I think that there's miracles all around us. And we kind of categorize, no, I haven't seen one unless I see that shooting star. I haven't actually seen a star. And I think a better way of saying it is uh, to categorize, they're all miraculous things that are happening. When somebody, when a husband lays down his life to love and serve his children and his wife, that's a supernatural, spirit-led thing. Yeah. When God I'm not heals, dismissing that. And you know, I'm I, saying, I, I think it's like just both and. Because I even think about one of the times where Jesus marveled was at people's lack of faith. And he couldn't, says he couldn't do any miracles in his hometown. And like, so something in me is always like, I don't want to be the guy that that's, I'm, the, I'm that one. Totally. That he marveled at my lack of faith. Who doesn't believe that he could heal if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I, I know there's a lot there, but. I think well, we should get to the point really quickly where we disagree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Let's kind of go around and just give our hot takes on this. And then maybe, maybe even if you're listening, send us what you think. Mm. Um, what do you think that, and you kind of made a, a, a statement about this, but do you think that the spirit is a, like a tangible thing, like an object, a human that indwells in a person that is like water pouring into a cup. Like when you say that you receive the spirit, is there something that's actually supernatural that you can't see with your physical eyes, but like a soul, a being, a like spirit is coming inside and like living inside of you? What do you think? You guys Becca? put me on the spot first. Honestly, I feel like I need to learn more about the topic before I 100% give an answer on that. But what's your... Um, but I will say that I've never thought of it as being a tangible thing before, but I'm interested to hear your guys' argument on it. I think the way the Spirit indwells us is beyond our comprehension, but not how most people think about it. So here's what I mean. The spirit, like God is omniscient and um, omnipresent. You know mm-hmm. what that means? Yeah. It means he's everywhere. Yeah. So if God is everywhere and the spirit of God is in believers, but God is everywhere. So is the spirit of God, which is omnipresent, is it in non-believers? Because if he's everywhere, then there isn't a single square inch that he's not inside of. And so if he's everywhere, then he's in non-believers. But we would say, no, if you don't have... Uh, if you haven't trusted in Jesus, you don't have the spirit of God. And in the same way that we talk about like, hey, my heart, um, hey, I believe, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. None of us think that we're talking about the physical organ of the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't think that that we are called to love with the, the actual physical, you know, like the ugly right. version. We mean, we understand like our soul, heart, mind, soul is kind of a expression for the control center of your life, which involves your mind, your emotions, all of who you are. Mm -hmm. And the Spirit of God, when you trust in Him, begins to, 
one of the marks is that you begin to be surrendered to and sensitive to the will of the Spirit. And the only way you can be awakened, to use the language Paul use, uses to that, is by receiving the Holy Spirit. So this is where J.D. and I disagree, because he thinks it's more a physical, a localized, I'll let you speak for yourself. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's crazy. I think a lot of people think that. I just think it's almost, my answer is kind of a non-answer because I would say, however it indwells, I don't think it's like that. And I don't think we understand it. Yeah. I, I think that it there's a tangible thing that happens inside of me. Tell, tell me Pixar. Yeah, what, tell me Pixar movie. <laughs> what do you mean by that? So I think that inside every person is a soul that like, so when you talk, when it talks about, and we have to hurry up, it's over 30 minutes, but Whenever, like, Jesus comes back, did you know that, like, people in the grave, like, souls, or even if you're alive, like, souls will be raptured up. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? Yeah. I I think that whenever, ugh, it's so hard because I'm not going to get to expound. I'm going to sound crazy. <laughs> but more people, I think, think, think this. They've just never tried to put it to language. Yeah. So a lot of spiritual, what we see in the Bible is, like, there's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And I think that the the in Ephesians two talks about how we were like dead, and I think that like every person's soul is like dead. It's like dry. It's gray. It's dark. It's it's like a dead soul. And then once you become saved, it illuminates. I think mm-hmm. it literally like glows. I think it becomes like radiant, and I think that's literally the spirit meeting your soul. Like it's coming inside of you, like a tangible thing, changing you from dark to light. So I just automatically think of like Pocahontas and the spirits flying in the sky. Is that what you mean? There's like a whimsical like spirit flying around that enters your body. And you not flying flying around, (laughs) not flying around. But like if it's not something tangible that does fly around, when Jesus says, "I'm sending you the Helper, who's better than me," like He came down, and Jesus right now. If you make the argument, well, God's everywhere. He's in the non-believer. Well, that argument you can also apply. Well, is Jesus actually sitting at the right hand of God? It, does it make him any less sitting at the right hand of God if you say, well, he's Jesus is God, mm-hmm. so Jesus is right here. Does that make him any less at the right hand of God? No. Like he is sitting because mm-hmm. they're three in one. That's something that we can't conceptualize. So I think that the spirit can be both everywhere but also its active role. If God's on his throne, Jesus is at his right hand. I think the spirit where he is, is in us. I think they're three in one, but that doesn't mean that he's any less not God. So I think if they all three are three different beings and they're in their different places, I think because Jesus says, I'm going up to sit at the right hand, I'm bringing him down. When he came down, where did he go? Is he just like flying around? No, he's in the believer. Like he's in us. We are the temple and he resides in the temple, which is us now. And then lastly, Ephesians 6 opens up us even more to the spiritual realm where it talks about how we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against like cosmic forces. Right. If you can believe in demons that you can't see, do you believe in those? Yeah. Why is it crazy to believe in angels? Do you believe in angels? Yes. Then it's not crazy to believe that the spirit is a being that you can't see that can dwell in you. Can a man be demon-possessed? Yeah. Then why can't he be spirit-possessed? Like, why can't the spirit dwell inside of a person like a demon can? Yeah. That's interesting. Boom! Yeah. I, I don't... Tell us what you think. 
I don't think you're right, but I don't think you're crazy. Thank you. And uh, that's all it takes. That's all I got. And I just say, I think that because I view it this way, it changes the way in which I think about the spiritual realm and who I am and the responsibility I have day to day. And I think there are extreme benefits to the way that I think that I would love to talk about if anyone wants to. Man. Just message me on Instagram. There you go. Um, to be clear, all of us believe in the, in the indwelling of the Spirit. That's without question. It's what that actually plays itself out and looks like. But that's all we got time for. Yeah. So we'll see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. Thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch, follow us on social media or visit us at theporch.live. And as always, go in peace and love to serve the Lord this week. <laughs>